Let me pray. Our Father, fill us with joy this Christmas at the birth of your Son, our Saviour. And Lord, we pray that we would receive him and so be your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the event we mark and rejoice over at Christmas. Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel open by telling stories of events surrounding Jesus' birth, of his parents, of angels, etc. The angel in Luke, appearing to the shepherds, sings, I bring you good news of great joy. And this marks the note of joy that is so characteristic of Christmas. The wise men uh, from the east were overjoyed as they came to the house in Bethlehem where they found the child Jesus. And so our carols are full of joy, joy to the world. The Lord is come. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. John's Gospel, which we just heard the the opening of, tells no story of Jesus' birth in any particular detail. John begins with this famous, intricate and rather beautiful prologue, which we heard most of in that Gospel reading. There is a definite but restrained joy in this prologue. The light shines in the darkness. He gave the right to become children of God. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. There is joy in all these statements. But the story of John's prologue is not simple joy. There is a shadow side to it. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. And so today I want us to consider both the light and the shadow in the story of Christmas. Firstly, the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John opens by speaking about this figure he first calls the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the word is before all created things. And indeed the word is involved in every creative divine work. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. John then shifts to talk about how this figure who is called the word is life. And light. In him was life, and that life was the life of all mankind. And so the life of this word is light in our lives. Light meaning, well, everything that is life giving, all knowledge and understanding and wisdom, everything which dispels darkness and ignorance and foolishness. And the great event that John's Gospel will recount in its entirety, in its its account of Jesus' life and death, is this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The divine life of the Word was to appear in the world, in history, in particularity, as a man. The man, Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. 
and made his dwelling among us. Now, the coming of light is generally a welcome thing. Sitting in darkness is not generally appealing. Light to see by gives us knowledge and freedom to act and to succeed. But in Jesus' case, the welcome was far from unanimous. So we come to, secondly, the shadow. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. In John's Gospel, the world means the human world at large. And here we see the great blindness and failure that John lays at the feet of the human world at large. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This conjures visions of a family turning away a member of that family from the door, refusing to recognise who they are. It's a shocking and ugly indictment on us. And all the more, we're not refusing some delinquent and chaotic troublemaker in the family. We're refusing the one who most deserves our welcome. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. John has expressed this rejection mildly in the opening of his gospel, but of course what this rejection ultimately looks like in Jesus' life, we know was a disciple betraying him with a kiss. It was crowds chanting, crucify him. It was soldiers crowning him with thorns and jeering. It was death on a cross. Do we really fail to recognise the true light, the light of God? Do human beings really refuse to receive him? We might prefer, if we are not into God, to think we have simply outgrown God. He's unnecessary. Or seen through God, he's implausible or unhelpful. We are light enough for ourselves, we might think. God belongs to the dark ages. There is a famous philosopher who put things differently. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, no fan of God or of Jesus, uh, but in his parable of the madman, he characterised what we modern, sophisticated Westerners have done with God as murder. Have you not heard of that madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours, ran to the marketplace and cried incessantly, I seek God, I seek God. As many of those who did not believe in God were standing around just then, he provoked much, much laughter. Has he got lost? Asked one. Did he lose his way like a child? Asked another. Or is he hiding? Is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage? Emigrated? Thus they yelled and laughed. The madman jumped into their midst and pierced them with his eyes. Whither is God? He cried. I will tell you. We have killed him. You and I. All of us are his murderers. Later the madman says, God is dead. God remains dead and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was, the holy, what was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe this blood off us? I hope it's not too dramatic for Christmas morning. The people who heard this madman could not believe it. They were silent and stared at him in astonishment. 
And the madman realised that people could not understand what they had done. They could not see it. And he finishes his speech, this deed, this murder, is still more distant from them than the most distant stars, and yet they themselves have done it. Both John and Nietzsche see the human relationship to God as complicated by a perhaps unconscious and unacknowledged hostility. There is that about us which prefers darkness to light. There is that about us which resents God and wants to be rid of him. That's the shadow. Thirdly, let's think about coming out of the shadow. For John goes on and says, Yet... To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There are those who did consider Jesus to be the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. They were a small band at first, surrounded by a much wider circle of the curious and the open. Jesus doesn't give these people credit for their faith in him. In John 15, he says to his disciples, You did not choose me, I chose you. In John 6, he says to the crowds, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And God is in the business of drawing people to his Son. Jesus can speak quite extravagantly of this in John 12. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And certainly many, many millions of people have believed in Jesus' name, have recognised him as the true light. These are children of God, born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Birth brings joy. And life is good and new life is wonderful. Being born of God brings joy. Because it means that Even though we did not receive his son, he has received us into his family, made us his own. Christianity is not about, in essence, a comforting tradition. It's not about a moral standard. It's not about a way of affirming a sacred human life generally. This is not what Christianity is, in essence. Christianity is about believing in the name of Jesus and being born of God. Perhaps you are concerned about the state of the church as the number of Christians counted in the census slides. Perhaps you're concerned about the state of society. Nietzsche's madman asks some questions of those who have killed God. He says, what were we doing when we unchained this earth from its sun? Whither is it moving now? Whither are we moving Away from all suns? Are we not plunging continually? Backward, sideward, forward, in all directions? Is there still any up or down? Are we not straying as though through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Christmas Day is a good day to remember that the light... The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Christmas Day is a good day to resolve to walk in the light that Jesus shone into our world, to look to him, to learn from him, to follow him. Christmas Day is a good day to believe in Jesus and be born of God. Some things you might do. You might come along to church more consistently this year than you did last year. Because we all need encouragement and help to walk in the light, to walk with Jesus. You might like to read a gospel in January. You've made a start on John's gospel by being here this morning. And in the foyer there are some free copies of all the gospels. Take one and read it this month, this coming month. Thirdly, you might make time for a conversation about your faith and your questions. I, for one, if you send me an email, would be glad to talk to you sometime. The good news of Christmas is that God has not left us in darkness. His one and only Son was born for us so that we can be born of God. He became a human child so we can be children of God. Will you pray with me? Father, as we reflect on Jesus Christ, help us to see him as light and to receive him. Draw us to him by your divine power that we might be born of you, belong to you, know you, and see your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.